Welcome to another episode of Speaking Through My World. In this episode, I want to focus on the realities of what victims and survivors face when it comes to taking the judicial route, taking the legal route when trying to get justice for crimes that happen to them. And it's important to have this conversation because we know, as rape culture has dictated, uh, has society and our communities are very quick to say, when somebody reports a crime or speaks up about it, they say, we'll take it to the police, open up a case, take the legal route, let the courts decide. And it's all very well in saying that, but over and above the trauma, a lot of people do not have the mental capacity, the mental well-being, the financial capacity to go the legal route, and also just the other structurals, structural support, such as being able to have a stable job in order to uh, take off time from work to go to the courts, to go and, and lay a claim. Uh, if you are living with the abuser, then your home environment is disrupted. And so I'm going to be focusing on two specific cases, because as we know, uh, providing evidence in many cases when it comes to, to uh, physical or sexual or emotional or psychological abuse, in many cases, we don't have that evidence. And that is how people are acquitted. That is how people get off. That is why perpetrators and the enablers don't hold themselves accountable because they know how to get around the law and the legal system. So the first case I'm going to focus on has been widely spread in South African media regarding Monique Muller, who took a lawyer to the Legal Practice Council. And so before I get into what the, the LPC, the Legal Practice Council, do, the backstory to, to this story is that in 2021, Monique was embroiled in a legal battle with her uh, estranged boyfriend and is also the father of a child and is well-known TV presenter, Katleho Maboy. And uh, what had happened was that his lawyer contacted Monique in a message on social media and stated, never underestimate a white female lawyer. Later on, this, uh, this lawyer denied these allegations and um, that is what, what led Monique to, to then going to the Legal Practice Council and opening up a case against this lawyer who is, goes by the name of Mrs. E.J. Louis. And she works at Thompson Wilkes Incorporated. And so the Legal Practice Council is a statutory body that was in, established in terms of Section 4 of the Legal Practice Act, number 28 of 20, 2014. The Legal Practice Council and its provincial councils regulate the affairs of and exercise jurisdiction over all legal practitioners, that is attorneys and advocates, and candidate legal practitioners. So she laid a claim against... Uh, against Mrs. E.J. Louis. The outcome of it 
which was dated from the 10th of November 2023. And remember, this happened in 2021. So it's been a long time. And I'm going to read you what the disciplinary committee um, considered about the matter. The charges against Mrs. Louis are as follows, that she contravened. Charge number one, clause 18.15.2 of the Code of Conduct for all legal practitioners is that she made a statement that was calculated to mislead or intimidate you and which materially exceeded the legitimate assertion of the rights or entitlement of her client's rights in that she via a social media platform stated to you that, wow, please stop lying and tell the truth about your abuse and your demands for money. Charge two, clause 3.15 of the Code of Conduct for the legal practitioners is that you brought the legal profession into disrepute by communicating with you by a social media platform in circumstances where she was aware that you were legally represented. The disciplinary committee found that Miss Louis was guilty on charge one and charge two. The committee imposed the following. For charge one, the committee imposed a fine of 20,000 rand, half of which is suspended for a period of five years on condition that Miss Louis is not found guilty of the same or similar offence within that said period. Charge two, the committee imposed a fine of 20,000 rand, half of which is suspended for a period of five years on condition that Miss Louis is not found guilty of the same or similar offence within that same period. And the letter is closed off, saying the committee ordered that Miss Louis pay the costs of the proceedings. And this was then signed off by Wadia Essak, who's the legal officer from the regulatory department from the Legal Practice Council at the Western Cape offices. So that just goes to prove that not all cases, of course, not all lawyers act in that way. But when we say that victims and survivors are often intimidated, it doesn't include, exclude people from places that, or that should be protecting them. And this took two years for her to get to this judgment or conclusion. I'm not quite sure if you would call it a judgment. Now, what about in cases where the victim or survivor doesn't have the mental, emotional, psychological capacity to push through? Because remember, you're still dealing with the original crime. You're still dealing with the original abuse. What about cases or in communities where victims and survivors don't know what their rights are? What about those who don't know that there is bodies such as the Legal Practice Council that you can take a lawyer and make a complaint against somebody? But remember, all of these actions take time, take effort, take money, on top of just trying to deal with everyday life. The second example and case study which I want to bring to the forefront is based on a judgment which can be found online. Um, disclaimer, it's there. I'm not sucking this out of my thumb. 
And it was a case that was taken on by Melvin Neal Incorporate to our attorneys in Johannesburg, and it was taken to the Johannesburg High Court. The judgment speaks to how a protection order was overturned by the Johannesburg High Court. So to take us back, what had happened was that two women reported that they had been raped by a well-known jazz musician known as KCA. These are the initials that you can find in the judgment. It was alleged that he had raped them and assaulted another person. Uh, one of the victims and survivors spoke out and approached various bodies which are connected with the work that the alleged perpetrator works in and deals with, and that is the National Arts Festival, Wits University, and Pro Helvetia. It was then when the alleged perpetrator took a protection order against her and had won at the court. The case that we're talking about now, the judgment, has nothing to do with the actual abuse, with the actual allegations of rape, the actual allegations of, 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 of assault on this person. It's about overturning that protection order that was then placed on the victims and the survivors. And it's important to bring this to the forefront because uh, it just shows that we do have um, judges who, who see the bigger picture in terms of gender-based violence. Uh, it's very fortunate that this person had attorneys who would take on this case pro bono because the costs involved are incredibly, incredibly expensive. And I want to, to just read a small bit of the judgment. The judgment can be found online. As I said, the, the attorneys that uh, represented her are Melvin Neal Incorporated, and, and the judgment is online, or there's a link at the, at the bottom of this podcast. Acting Judge Alan Dodson said, The conduct of the appealant in sending the communications was neither predatory nor persecutory. The communications were not simply for the sake of targeting or harming the respondent. They sought to address their concerns about the appealant's safety and that of other women. They reflect a strong desire to bring about societal and institutional change based on sound policies and protocols. This is not unreasonable. The judgment looked at what was reasonable. When the woman made her allegations, and of course this is a requirement whether there was harassment and for granting the protection order. While the alleged incidents dated back to 2018 and 2019, acting judge Alan Dodson found that it is not unreasonable for there to be a delay in making the allegations. I say that again, it is not unreasonable because one of the aspects of rape culture is that people are questioned, why did you speak up so late? Why didn't you report it when the incident happened? Why did it take so long for, for you, for you to, to speak out? Going back to what the judgment said, nor was it unreasonable for her demands to the funders who were sometimes strident or demanding. As I mentioned before, she, she went through to, she contacted Pro Helvetia, the National Arts Festival. And in closing on what an acting judge Alan Dodson stated, women are entitled to be angry. At a societal level, they are under attack. They are particularly entitled to express outrage 
where they have personal experience of gender-based violence and where society and institutions are perceived as responding with lethargy. Quiet diplomacy is not to be expected. And I needed to, to, to end off this bit of the podcast because as much as we, we, we push feminist principles, we're still operating in a patriarchal world. And I'm hoping that this message, because this came from a man, it didn't come from an angry feminist, it didn't come from the victims, it didn't come from the legal team. Acting Judge Alan Dodson stated that a woman, women are entitled to be angry. At a societal level, they are under attack. So as much as this is a victory, not many people can get to the stage because the effects that abuse has will have on our bodies, we, we have no control over. Whether it attacks our bodies physically, our mental well-being, that then affects how we work and, of course, affects our finances. A lot of the time, victims and survivors don't have the strength to get to this point. A lot of the time, we don't have the support of a, of a powerful legal team to take on a case like this pro bono. A lot of the time, victims and survivors don't even know what their rights are. So think about these facts. The next time you question why somebody speaks out, think about these facts when you question why somebody just didn't go open up a case. Think about these facts when you stand behind those slogans and say, well, let the law take its course. The law took its course, but it was a long course. And fortunately, there was a bit of a victory. But we still haven't dealt with the original crimes. So when you're going into your campaigns for 16 days of activism and ending GBV, understand that it's not just a pretty campaign. There are a lot of facets involved. When people want to get justice, when people want to seek healing, if you really want to get behind stopping this, this pandemic, remember our president in 2018 told us at the Gender-Based Violence Summit that our country is in a crisis, we're in a pandemic, and we've been like that for decades. If you really want to stop that, understand the different levels and the different facets and the treatment and the levels of intimidation and the additional work that victims and survivors have to go through over and above healing. Thanks so much for listening.